The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And with me, as always, is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today? Doing great today, John, as always. And uh, it's a beautiful day, beautiful fall day here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, I hope it's a beautiful fall day where you are as well, because it is fall. It is that time of year. Yeah, it was actually a pretty damn uh, nice day. Can't uh, complain about it at all. But today, uh, a lot of outside stuff uh, with the little guy today, so it was uh, it was good stuff. Yeah, it's always good stuff when you get outside and enjoy it. Now, this is the eighth, as we're taping it, not when we're releasing it, but we're actually taping it, the eighth anniversary of the death of one of your best friends, if not your best friend in, in the wrestling business, Mr. Brad Armstrong. And I saw a lot of tweets and a lot of things about him today, how he was one of the greatest workers of all time. And I know we had a whole episode dedicated to him, but eight years later, we're obviously still missing your best friend. But what do you think? I mean, just time flies by, doesn't it? Well, you know what? Uh, it, it does fly by. And um, there there's times when... I get pretty introspective, I guess, and I kind of uh, feel like there's there's something uh, I need to get off my chest, and and it really hasn't felt that way for a long time, to where I needed to sit down and write, and and uh, that can be a little cathartic sometimes, and also at times it just uh, I don't have time for it, or I just don't find the time for it. But but um, you know, Brad and his wife Lori and uh, daughter Jilly, they they know as well as uh, Scott and Steve and Brian, they all know uh, what Brad meant to everybody. And uh, sometimes, uh, just sending those vibes and sending those feelings over the over the uh, waves, the cosmic waves, psychic waves, whatever it may be, they know we're always thinking about him, and uh, he he'll never be replaced. Um, as my as a best friend, I, I just haven't. Uh, there's nobody that that has come close. Of course, I knew Brad for over 30 years, so uh, that's that's kind of a hard friendship to replace. We went through a lot of the same things together and, and experienced a lot of the same things even growing up, and um, there was a bond there. So, and and as I as I found through the years, Brad had that with uh, <laughs> that effect 
with pretty much everyone he met. He knew how to uh, relate to people. He knew how to uh, connect and make people feel um, special in every way. And that was his. That was his uh, magic. That was his uh, personality and uh, what made him, you know, you know, that unique individual. There, there was a lot of great people in the business, but. Brad was one of a kind, and I think anybody who met him, anybody who knew him for any length of time, or hell, didn't take that long to get to know him. He he was the guy that uh, uh, kept the locker room jumping and alive and, and fun, and uh, everywhere he went, uh, whether it was over here in the States or overseas, everywhere he went, universally, you, you'll hear the same thing. He was... Uh, one of the greatest guys to have him around uh, in the ring and out of the ring. So it is uh, the eighth year, and uh, I'm going to go down to Atlanta probably with Lash LaRue next week on a Saturday and visit Brad, and uh, we'll sit around the, uh, as we've done the last couple of years, uh, sat by his gravesite and told stories and talked and, and, and reminisced. And that just, I'm, I'm doing that. For a selfish reason, I'm doing that for me because it just it helps me remember and helps me know that uh, I have somewhere to go and and uh, uh, and feel better. I don't know why. Just it, it, that that's kind of how I put it in perspective. So we miss him every single day. Lash Larue too. That's a blast from the WCW past. Yeah, Lash was uh, one of those young guys. In WCW, and when he came in, Brad uh, took care of him, uh, accepted him right away. And uh, but but that's what Brad did to a lot of the young guys. And Lash reached out, oh man, a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago now. And, and um, I guess he saw a tweet I, I sent out about visiting Brad, and he he wanted to come along. And I said, man, hell, let's come on. And and uh, so. So we've been doing that the last couple of years, and, uh, you know, it, it's kind of cool. I mean, certainly we wish Brad was there to laugh with us, but uh, we're laughing with him just the same while we sit there and, and reminisce. So so that that's what I'm planning on next week. Next Saturday we'll be doing that, I hope. And, of course, uh, another kind of a wrestling death or an untimely death, the unfortunate passing the last uh, – a few days ago, of wild-eyed Southern boy Tracy Smothers was just such a funny, funny guy in and out of the ring. Got the chance to interview him a few years ago. Just a funny ass, humble but you know great guy. If you look back, great worker. He could do it all in the ring. What were your thoughts on the passing of Tracy Smothers? Well, when the Bobby Eaton uh, show came up earlier this year, or last year, last December, I guess it was, uh, we saw Tracy, and um, actually, you know, my wife had stopped by before the show and uh, dropped some stuff off, and she came over to the the school, and, and while we were kind of gathering, saying hi to people and stuff, and she looked over and uh, uh, noticed Tracy, and she didn't recognize him, and she she asked me who it was, and I looked, and I couldn't tell either, and then all of a sudden I realized it was Tracy. He just, he didn't look well, and we knew, I knew, there were, there were, there were a few people who knew 
that he had been through uh, a rough patch, especially with the chemo and, and uh, cancer treatment. But he really looked um, not good. And uh, one of them talked to him, and it was it was sad. It was uh, shocking at first, and then we talked and. And I realized that um, he'd been he'd been going through this for a while, and I thought, my gosh, man, just <laughs> just when you think you got problems, uh, you know, you can always look 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 around and see that it's not so bad. And uh, it was it was one of those things where it, it, life uh, life kind of hits you in the face because I, I remember Tracy from way 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 back and. Uh, even, even before, you know, he was a wild-eyed Southern boy, he was, uh, just, just this big kid who was always that way. It was always the way he was, um, throughout his life. I never knew him to be any different from the first time I met him. And that was a great thing about wrestling back then because you had guys like that and you need guys like that who, who are legitimate, who are, uh, authentic or true blue or the real deal. And Tracy was really a wild eyed Southern boy, man. He, um, uh, you know, played at Carson, played football at Carson Newman college here in Tennessee up the road from Knoxville. And, um, you know, he was a big raw bone guy. And the kind of guy that uh, you knew, uh, you know, he was so calm and, and, and easy going. But you knew uh, if if anything was about to go down, uh, he he might not be the first guy to throw the punch, but he'd damn sure be the second one right in line, man. And and I wouldn't put it past him to be the first guy to to throw a punch if you if you pushed him to the limit. But uh, it was. It wasn't as shocking that he passed away this week. Uh, it was sad, yes, but it wasn't as shocking because we had seen him and he, he just he, he didn't look good. And we all feared the worst. And um, eventually the news came. And I think uh, when something like that is happening and you see somebody in that condition, my hope is that you get some relief. And if it's not uh, through the doctors and it's not through medication, then, my goodness, um, stop living in a miserable condition. And thank goodness that finally uh, he found some peace. I hope he's – I know he's resting in peace right now. It's, it, it, it's a lot better off. I think he's a lot better off. And I, anybody who's, who's had anybody they care about or, or love or uh, know close, have have a close relationship with, you don't want them to suffer. And, and I, don't, I don't think anybody wants to trace to suffer, especially um, – the the guys who who he grew up with in this business and and who knew him and loved him and cared about him so uh, shocking yeah or shocking no uh, sad definitely but um, <sighs> Tracy lived a hell of a life man he did he had a great life he he had a lot of adventures and uh, I went on a couple of adventures with him some I can talk about some I can't <laughs> and but but I will tell you this. 
it was it, it certainly was Tracy and guys like Tracy that made wrestling wrestling in the eighties and even into the nineties because uh he never gave up that love for the business. I mean a lot of us can get jaded and and certainly I've been jaded before and, and there's times when I just want to throw up my hands. But um I don't know that Tracy ever did. You know, as as hard as it could be traveling down those roads he traveled and going to some of those buildings he went to and some of the places and and promoters and and, and stuff you had to put up with. Uh he he did it. And I don't think, you know, I don't I don't know that he ever got tired of it. I'm sure in the end he did. Um but for all those times, you know, especially when he was a full blooded Italian in ECW, he was having a blast. He was having a fun time. And if you could do that excuse me, it's it's been a it has been a long week, John. It's been a long week, long days, and uh, <laughs> sometimes it catches up to you. But you know, Tracy, uh, Tracy never changed from the time I knew him. He was always that that guy who didn't care if anybody thought he was goofy or not. Uh, he was who he was. Made no apologies for it. He was a thug to the end. You know, T for terrible, H for hell, U for ugly, and G for jail because thug can't spell. You know, um, that was him. And and if you like, you said you interviewed him. You know how he was, and that was how he was all the time. There was no off switch with him either. So. Uh, we lost we, we lost one of the true personalities or characters in the business, and uh, that's for sure. He'll they don't make them like that anymore because life circumstances don't come across anybody's plate like they did Tracy's anymore. I mean, he grew up in Springfield, Tennessee, and he he grew up um, fighting and. And doing what wild-eyed southern boys do, and uh, that wasn't a gimmick with him, man. He's the kind of guy that would bite the glass, eat the glass in the bar, and not think twice about it. So, when was the first time you ever met him? Was it in Memphis, back all the way back I, in the mid '80s? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think I believe it was in Memphis. I, I just remember him as a young guy, uh, and you know, being Tracy then, just just a younger version of. Uh, excuse me, of who he was, and uh, man, he <laughs> he loved the business, and he was one of those guys that, uh, uh, okay, how can I explain this? It, there, there's people who love this business to to, to the to the very end, and I, I certainly love the business, but but then there's there's people who who you know I would look at the bear. When, when we would have a bear come and wrestle, because there was a couple of places I've been <laughs> where they brought in a gentle Ben or, or whatever the names of the, the bears were throughout the years. I mean, but I, I've been in a couple of territories. I think, uh, uh, well, continental was one and, and maybe, uh, shoot. I'm trying to think of another one. I don't think Oregon have anything. I don't believe California did, but possibly, 
around Georgia. But I've seen a couple times where the Bears would come in and the guys would want to play with the Bears and stuff. No, no, I don't want to do that. I love the business, but I don't love it that much. And Tracy would go and want to wrestle the Bear backstage and piss the Bear off backstage and then go out in the ring and wrestle the Bear. Um, and he just he loved every aspect of the business. And there were some things that, you know, you would get tired of and and just, you know, uh, you want a break. You want to get away. And I don't know that Tracy ever did. I think Tracy was always wanting to be around it and always wanting to uh, uh, j- just just to, to wake up in it and go to bed in it. And, and I've done that many times myself, but there were times when I just wanted to pound my head against the wall. And, and Tracy might have. I don't know. Because he, he did have a few concussions in his day. And, uh, you know, like I said, he, he, he never changed. Um, I, I, I wrote this story on Facebook about our grapple in the gravel. That was he. <laughs> I used to poke him. I used to, I used to play with him. But I did that to everybody, man. It's just one of those things that, that we, we would do to each other back then. We, we would uh, rib and play and and say things and do things and and get on each other's nerves and, you know, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, I'm going to kill you too. Yeah, okay. We laugh it off. Well, you know, um, uh, I I wouldn't know the the line to draw when I was doing that with Tracy and uh, back in, in 1993. That's, God, what, 30 years ago almost? Whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Close to 27 years, years ago. Yeah. God almighty. Well, you know, we, we had just done some shots for WWE, and we came back, uh, Ricky, Robert, and uh, myself and Jimmy Del Rey flew into Knoxville. It was a Thanksgiving um, show that was supposed to be in Kentucky somewhere. And we flew into Knoxville. Uh, you know, I think Robert had his car um, at the airport, so we jumped in the car with Robert and Ricky, and we rode to the town. Of course, we got out before they did and, and went to separate dressing rooms in, at the town. But on the way, um, we, we get the, the conversation came around to Tracy. And uh, during this time, Tracy had been – uh, throwing some live rounds in the ring, potatoes, and and the last one he did was on Brian Lee and, and opened Brian's eye up. Brian had to get nine stitches uh, over his eyelid or right close to his eyelid. And, you know, it, Brian would stay with me occasionally in Knoxville, and uh, I'd ride with Brian and and all that stuff. So, so Brian and I, of course, would berate Tracy and just amongst ourselves and, and things like that. Well, we were in the car, and I, I said, with Ricky, Robert, and, of course, Jimmy in the car, too, I said, Tracy is a friggin' idiot. Uh, he's unsafe, and you can quote me. And that's all it took, because we got to the town, and Ricky couldn't wait to start riling Tracy up over on the other side of the room, and, or the other side of the dressing room. And uh, it was separate dressing room. He's on the other side of the building. And we had a tag match, and Brian Lee was working with Tracy that night, and he went out to work with him, and Tracy is fuming in the ring, and he won't do anything, and he's he's looking back, because we're watching the match, so me and Jimmy and uh, Cornette and 
some of the heels were watching the match, and, and Tracy's pointing back at me, and I'm going, oh, Christ, I know it's coming. So when Brian came back, he told Jimmy that he, he didn't know what was wrong with him. He wouldn't do anything in the ring, and I, I went right up to them both, and I said, I know what's wrong with him. Uh, we were riding in the car, and I, I told Ricky and Robert that he was unsafe and he was a friggin' idiot, and you can quote me. And so I guess they did. And we had a battle royal after that, and Tracy wanted to kill me, and it was like, the, you know, the Keystone cops, the heels trying to keep, or the baby faces trying to keep him away from me, and the heels trying to keep him away from me. And I'm telling them, just let him go. Let him get it out of his system. If he hits me and he wants to pop me and get a shot, let's let it happen, then it'll be over. But they didn't. And uh, so he hurt his leg that night. He hurt his ankle. And... um so we get back, and the battle royal was a cluster. It was supposed to set up an angle for the next time, and that didn't happen. <laughs> Everybody just kind of powdered out and clustered all around, everything else. So we got back to the dressing room, and I'm riding back with Brian Lee. Del Rey's riding back with Brian Hillsbrand. The rock and roll is taking Tracy back to Knoxville. And uh, Brian and I stop and get our beer, and we're just talking, and I see uh ricky and robert and tracy stopped on the side of the road and i told brian pull over pull over he said no 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 just leave it alone just forget about it i said all right so we keep going and all of a sudden here comes robert and he's hauling ass and he passes and i told brian flick your lights pull them over so he did and pulled over and we pulled over first robert pulled behind us and then he pulled up and uh he and Ricky get out the front, and Rick, Tracy's in the back with his ankle uh, propped up, and he sees me. And then he starts going nuts trying to get out of the car and trying to push the seat up. And Oh, man. So he gets out, and he says, I'll kill you, mother. Oh, man. So I said, Tracy, what's what's wrong with you? And he starts jabbing and starts doing the shadow boxing and stuff, and and I, Ricky said something. I said something back to Ricky. And Ricky said, fuck you, man, and pushed me. And I threw my beer at him and like, missed him by a mile. And uh, then Tracy and I started cussing and spewing and all this stuff. And next thing I know, we lock up. I mean, like, like we're in a match. And it's like, oh, man, if he wanted to kill me, he, he would have popped me. He would hit me twice before I would have had a chance to do anything about it. And I knew that, man. I mean, I was waiting for it. I was just going to let him get a shot if that's what he wanted to do. Uh, but but we locked up. So right then I knew he doesn't want to fight, and I was glad of it. So, but but it, it happened that while we're spewing and cussing each other, these two girls had stopped on the side of the road. It was a, it was a four-lane road. <laughs> And uh, they stopped, and Ricky told said something derogatory to him too, and they left. And but as soon as Tracy and I locked up, uh, we see the blue lights, and we immediately stop. And Tracy says, "Hey, you got kids? I got kids. We don't need to go to jail tonight." And I looked at him like, "What? What, what does that even mean?" So uh, the cop came out and said, "What are y'all doing?" And I thought it was me who said, nothing, officer. We just got done wrestling down the road here. And uh, we just thought we'd pull over the side of the road and go over some spots for our next match. 
he looked at us like we were out of our mind. I mean, and we were. And he said, we don't do that in my county. You got 15 seconds to get out of here all you're going to jail. And uh, so Tracy looked at me and I said, I'll see you tomorrow. I thought, okay. And we got in the car and uh, got home. Brian was staying with me, but I called Cornette and I told him, I said, listen, you know, Tracy and I just had this grapple in the gravel and it wasn't anything. And I told him the whole story and we kind of laughed about it. But then I said, look, we're about to do this angle with him and Tony, and I'm not going to step in the ring with him if, if we don't have everything straight because I'm not taking a chance. And Jimmy said, don't worry about it. I'll work it out. Well, we had promos the next day in Morristown, so I went, uh, I think the babyfaces were at noon. We were at 3, so I went at 2. And I waited in the babyface locker room for Tracy. And, you know, I look, I wouldn't, I didn't know what to expect, but uh, I figured we'd either talk it out or fight it out. I was hoping we'd, we'd be able to talk it out. And as soon as he walked in the locker room, Tracy came over to me and says, man, I'm so sorry. And I went, no, 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 wait. <laughs> no, I'm the asshole here. I said everything that Ricky said I said. I did. I, I called you a freaking asshole. I called you a, uh, unsafe, and, and I said you're an idiot. I did, man. I'm, I'm sorry about that too, but you have been kind of, rowdy lately and you have been throwing some live rounds in there man and that's that's where i was coming from i didn't mean anything by it personally but it just it was it was me spewing and he said i know i know and and i love you man i said well i love you too tracy and we hugged and we made up and we had matches after that but you know i i would see him sometimes i would see the fire in his eyes i, I would see the uh um crazy crazy stares and crazy uh, uh, actions, you know, punching lockers and doing the shadow boxing in, in the locker room. And and we never gave it a, a, a second thought except that's Tracy. And, you know, there were enough things going around back then to, to uh, justify, I guess, that behavior in anybody. But then you know, we got to thinking, he, he, he always talked about having all these concussions and uh, Nobody was thinking about concussions back then because we were doing stupid, stupid stuff like taking full shots to the head and, and you know, doing things um, for the business because it was the right thing to do back then. You know, by God, we're hardcore and we're, we're uh, loyal and all that stuff. Well, as we found out, sometimes uh, taking shots to the head, and I've taken quite a few myself, with chairs or tables or any of that stuff can have long-lasting effects. And uh, I'm sure, looking back, that that had an effect on Tracy. So I'm not sure. I'm surmising. But, I mean, a lot of the, the, the things he did just, just weren't um, – uh, I always I, I just equated it to being in the wrestling business and 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 there were just crazy people in the wrestling business. Who in their right mind would want to go in the wrestling business, especially back then, because it was a different business back then. You didn't have any insurance, you didn't have any well hell, they don't have it today either. Uh but you didn't have a whole lot of things that you do have today, like royalties and contracts and uh even a sense of, of some kind of security. So you were doing it uh, certainly for the money, but for the love of the business too. And um, 
that those those kind of people, you know, Tracy Smothers, Gypsy Joe, uh, <laughs> people people who were uh, might be considered insane if they went to an office uh, or worked with uh, what we call civilians or regular people. I mean, they they wouldn't they they wouldn't fit. It, it, it would be trying to put a uh, a square peg in a round hole, and uh, that's why we I think we accepted Tracy's idiosyncrasies as we did, because everybody had them back then, and um, that's just what the business was. I feel like he definitely has the reputation, obviously, you know, as as a little bit of a crazy man, but also as being tough. So if that fight were to really go down and really happen. Injury or not, do you think that uh, you could have taken Tracy? Oh no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no! I would. I'm not even going to kid my, myself. Um, I was ready to take an ass kicking. I mean, uh, I, I was, uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't under any illusion that uh, it was going to be a fair fight or, or a long fight. Or anything like that. I was, you know, sometimes you just have to accept what's coming. And I was willing to, I wasn't, I, I wasn't, it's like Steve Armstrong. You know, I'll give you another example. Um, or any of the Armstrongs for that matter, including Brad. Uh, no, uh, I've made, I've made everybody, I've made a few people mad before. And just playing, but they didn't know. That I was playing, and I just crossed the line. Uh, one night with Steve Armstrong, I believe it was in Johnson City, I hit him with a chair. Um, I didn't, I didn't think I hit him that hard, but I had to lay it in. And he turned right around and started throwing live rounds on me. And all I could do was cover up. I mean, if I'm in a fight, if I was going to be in a fight with somebody who was, who either wasn't Tracy or any of the Armstrongs, well, yeah, I would throw some shots. I would try to protect myself, no doubt about it. But I was under no illusion that even even if I threw a punch or threw an elbow or threw whatever I could throw, I, I wasn't uh, expecting to come out on top. I was expecting to either get my eye punched or, or my mouth or or whatever. And, and I sometimes you got to do that. I mean, uh, well, let me say this: sometimes I had to do that. And no, I don't think. I could take Tracy. I don't think I'd take, take Steve Armstrong. But uh, the fact is, <laughs> I was in the situation. I had to I had to at least stand there. I had to at least go in and <sighs> take my lumps or, or try and do what I could do. And all I could do was uh, either cover up or try and throw some shots, and I don't know that I could have hurt Tracy is my point. Uh, even if I was fighting back, I think it would have taken a lot more than, than a couple – Couple uh, throwing hands uh, to to keep Tracy down and knock Tracy down. So I don't know. I mean, I've I've taken some shots before, but uh, I mean, I know I can take shots. I know I can take a punch. I know I can take. Uh, <laughs> I know I can take a chair to the head. But in a fight where the guy's trying to kill you and want to murder you or pull your eye out, I don't know. Another guy like Kevin Sullivan, who who you know, thinking back on on things too. You know, uh, man, boy, there's a lot of crazy people in this business. And Kevin was certainly dangerous and crazy. Um, and 
just some guys were like that. Uh, Mark Lewin. Man, there's stories about Mark, too. And I've never seen that side of Mark, thank God. But but just knowing what he's capable of doing is, is a scary thought. And I knew what, what Tracy was, was capable of doing, I think. And thank God he didn't want to do it to me. So you're saying that you're not one of the tough guys. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I will never, <laughs> I will never come out and talk about how what a tough guy I am. But at the same time, um, I'm, I'm not going to back down from right. anybody who else thinks they're a tough guy because usually tough guys don't talk about it; they just do it. That's why I knew Tracy didn't want to fight me when we locked up. Uh, he 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 was a tough guy, but I don't think he wanted to do that because we had a relationship like this. And I think what what happened uh, at the conclusion of this was he realized that this this was just the boys being the boys and egging him on. And I I was I would poke the bear, and we had a great relationship. But I would just poke the bear sometimes. And this was at the time when. Smoky Mountain was, uh, we, we we had done the thing with WCW, and then we came to do it with Smoky Mountain, or with uh, WWE. And uh, nobody knew what was going on. Um, Jim kind of kept the cards close to his vest. Hell, we didn't know what was going on. Uh, we had just done the match in Boston with Rock and Roll, and they dropped the Smoky Mountain belts to us. And we thought it was a good match, but everybody in Boston <laughs> thought otherwise. And we right. came back, and 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 you know nobody in in the crew knew what was happening. It was just they were taking us for the Steiners, and they got the rock and roll on us going up there um, for Survivor Series. We had no contract then; we had nothing. And um, so I think they were kind of looking, going, "Huh, what's going on here?" and, and the grumblings and things like that. And I understand totally. And I think that's what it was, but we really didn't know anything. We really didn't have any deal set in place yet. And, uh, so I think it was a combination of everybody stressed out and seeing the way the business was, was changing. Um, and Smoky Mountain was a great idea, a great concept, but, uh, a little too late, you know, to be starting a territory. Well, in in that day and age, you know, the business has changed, and the model had changed, the territory changed, the uh, territory design had changed. You know, it's you have cable TV, and they, they don't care who's on the local show because local shows are just local guys. Here, you got the stars coming in, and Hulk Hogan, I think, and um, you know, the, the the whole thing. So, I think it was just a combination of everybody being a little uh, stressed out. Not knowing, paranoid, looking over their shoulder. What's he got on his mind, and and what are they going to do? What, what does that mean for us? You know, things like that. So, uh, but but things happen like that all the time back then. What did you think about working with him in ring? Because man, Smoky Mountain, you wrestled other places as well, but Smoky Mountain, you guys wrestled each other a lot. Yeah, but here again. See, there, there's. I think there, there is a difference between uh, being tough in the ring and being tough outside the ring. And being in the ring with him, you know, yeah, you had to be tough. But and he was certainly tough. But um, he he wasn't 
wasn't as bad um, as some guys who we worked with in Smoky Mountain. Um, uh, Jackie Fulton, you know, great guy, but uh, out of nowhere, just spin kicked me right in the face, and I had no clue. I mean, not not even a, a warning. Just as I'm going to lock up, he does a spin kick and hits me right in the face and jams my neck. And that was one time when I grabbed him and just started hitting him as hard as I could. And he just looked at me and I went, oh, shit. You know, but and that, and, and that's the beginning of my neck problems. Uh, you know, getting kicked flush in the face. And, um, you know, Tracy wasn't like that. He was a pro, but he would hit you. And, you know, you had to be able to take it. And, um, you know, I look. Any anybody who's who's been in the business for any length of time has to be some kind of tough. You you ha- your body has to absorb uh, the bumps, the ropes, everything that comes with it. So you really don't need the guy across the ring from you yanking you around or hitting you as hard as you can. That's not what this is. Not what it's supposed to be. You're going to have guys who are going to be solid, and you're going to have guys who are going to be stiff. Um, and there's a difference. Solid is in safe places. Stiff is, is all over the place, and it hurts. You know, flare every night, you know, for God knows how many years, 30 years, man, just uh, getting pounded every night. But it was in safe places, but it doesn't matter. You're still getting hit with that force. And that's what Tracy did. I mean, he would hit you uh, solid but safe. And... Um, uh, it, it it was it was always cool working with him because he was uh, that guy that the people wanted to get behind and um and that that's what made it fun because it, in the South you know especially around Tennessee Kentucky and um uh those uh, West Virginia those kind of places. You, you can hear about it, but until you go to those towns, you can't really appreciate the uh, <laughs> the real danger that that and threats that they posed um, back then, even back then, man, in the early 90s. Uh, the heat was real, and, and because the, the people wanted to believe, and and whether it was just the conditions they were living in in West Virginia. Uh, and there's some nice places in West Virginia, I think. But most of the places we went to were uh, places I don't think you'd go for vacation, that's for sure. But we would go and, and do shows there. And I think places like Beckley and Logan and I can't even remember half the names. I just remember going in and going, holy Christ, I hope we get out. And, um, you know, but then going in with Tracy or somebody like that who was – who was pretty much one of them by proxy, I guess, because he was a, a wild-eyed Southern boy. He was a crazy, uh, you know, outlaw-looking fella, and and would drink the moonshine with him and whatever else they had, you know, and putting their corn cob pipe and here, try this, and it's like holy Christ. So. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun with Tracy. It really was. There, like, like I said, there there were times when when I would poke the bear and and not realize he was really mad. And of course, that's my insanity too, I guess. Uh, and then I finally, you know, crossed the line and and 
learned that, hey, not everybody wants to be played with, and that you can't play with everybody because they don't know the rules, and they don't know I made the rules. Of course, they made their own rules, so, you know, tit for tat, I guess. As far as, like, some of the best guys you've been in the ring with, obviously, Brad Armstrong is going to be one of the guys that tops the list, guys like that. Where do you put Tracy kind of in that list of guys you've been in the ring with? Wow. Um, I, I guess, you know, I, I, I can probably count the guys that, that I, I didn't mesh with more than I can with the guys that, that I did because most of the guys I got in the ring with, uh, we pretty much had a had a clue and, and had an idea what what we were doing, and Tracy was right up there with them, you know. Especially so later on in my career in, in Smoky Mountain, he 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 was a seasoned veteran by that time, um, so he was he was pretty polished, and um, in Smoky Mountain, he was certainly up there in the top five. You know, rock and roll has to be number one, and. Uh, Man, uh, yeah, I, I think Tracy would have to be in the top five. You know, I hate, but you're right. There, there are some guys that you just mesh with, some guys that you just get in there and uh, you click with. You know, definitely, definitely Brad Armstrong, Jeff Jarrett, guys like that, uh, and Tracy and, and Dirty White Boy. Uh, all guys who, who got it and who understood it and who knew – that when we got in there, we didn't have to call everything in the back. We got in there and we we, we listened to, to what was happening at the moment, had listened to the crowd, and Tracy was good at listening to the crowd. Tracy was great at uh, following along, and and if he heard something you didn't, he he would he would take you there and, and say, "Come with me." And and he 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 knew the area of the arena to go to 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 get the best response and. You know that that just comes with experience and instinct. And uh, Tracy had it. Tracy was that guy, especially for this part of the country in Knoxville and uh, anywhere in Tennessee. Actually, he was he was one of the people. And uh, you know, I think that was the appeal early on with Tommy Rich. You know, he was that good old Georgia Southern boy, but he's from Tennessee. You know, and and Tracy was from Tennessee, and that. There's a lot of uh, home hometown appreciation for guys like that who came from uh, the 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 hard struggles and and fighting uh, in the winter time to you know get the wood on the stove and in the fireplace and things like that. Man, and there's there's people who live in the hills up here who who uh, live that life and understand and when you can communicate with them and be authentic because they can read it man it's kind of like uh they they get the radio waves and and they got their antennas up i know if it's a psychic feeling or not if you're one of them they know it it's just just that that feeling and and connection and tracy had it and uh there's a few guys that had it you know ron wright was another guy around here who had it uh, and and would would get on TV and talk to the people the way he did, and Tracy would get on TV and talk to the people the way he did and communicate. And he they all knew when Tracy talked to him when when he was cutting a promo, uh, that was Tracy because when they met Tracy at the gimmick table or met Tracy 
away from the arena. I've seen it, you know, when, when we were both baby faces. I've seen how he acts with people and interacts with people. Uh, you know, as crazy as it could be, um, there was something about him that drew, especially Tennessee and uh, West Virginia, Kentucky, this this part of the country, they, these people uh, connected with him. And it's because he was one of them. He talked their language. He knew what it was like to, to go fish and run a trout line and, and do all that stuff. And, uh, man, you know, um, that, that was, that was what made a true blue baby face back then, especially in this part of the country, because they wanted a hometown hero. They wanted somebody they could identify with. And, and he was that guy. I feel like he's definitely almost underrated to to a certain point. He was definitely great. But I was looking through just your history with him, and just a few interesting matches like popped up. The first meeting that I have you guys had was in CWA in Memphis in 1985. November 4th is the first match that I could actually find. So it's Billy Joe Travis and Tracy. They defeat the heavenly bodies of Pat Rose and Tom Pritchard. So that was just a kind of an interesting one. I don't even know if you would remember that, but it was just 35 years ago basically this week. Interesting. Well, let me let me just yeah let me comment on that one real quick because um, you know my time in Memphis during that time wasn't always the best, but uh, you know Pat Rose was another guy who connected with people because he's from this part of the country and he even does a uh, uh, radio show called Setting the Hook with Pat Rose in Chattanooga and he he's he's a legitimate guy who people can relate to. Billy Joe Travis was another guy who, um, I'm not sure, I think Billy was from Kentucky or wherever the hell he was, but he and Jeff were very good friends, Jeff Jarrett. And the people could connect with him. And then he had Tracy. And as young as he was back then, he had something. And uh, I think the Jarretts knew he had something. And everywhere he went, people knew you know, the, the promoters, except I don't know if WCW knew what to do with them or not, but that that's a whole different story. But, yeah, Billy and Tracy were a perfect combination of guys who understood how to connect and uh, could get over. And then you had me, who was from Texas in that whole group. And, man, talk about an outcast, uh, because I just – sometimes they would talk about stuff I had no clue what they were saying. And, and that's cool, but – you know, that once again, that's what made the boys the boys back then. There was authentic personas, authentic characters, authentic um, uh, personalities, and real uh, people who who were in this business when it wasn't open to everybody, and they were able to translate their true personalities uh, when they went to the ring or through promos. And that's a talent that not everybody has or knows how to uh, project. So, uh, yeah, during that time period, I, I, I don't necessarily remember that particular match, but I do remember that particular time. And um, uh, I, I, I just remember how fun it was, and I remember that uh, I wish we could go back. That's what I remember. A... 
60-minute Ironman match in Smoky Mountain Wrestling from March 19, 1994. Harlan, Kentucky, the Heavenly Bodies defeat Robert Gibson and Tracy Smothers three falls to two. 60-minute Ironman, wow. Well, yeah, but you know, I mean, I could I could do sixty minutes in my sleep back then, man. It's just the the sixty minutes thing is is really a, a breathing uh, deal and learning how to pace. You know that I, I remember reading about uh, or hearing. I think I, I think I read it. I don't remember where now. Uh, Dory Funk Jr. when he was champion, he used to break his matches up into four fifteen minute matches. You know, he would he would just. Look at it that way. He would he, he would have the first stanza, uh, the second stanza, the third and fourth, and, and uh, do it that way. But it's, and the style was so different back then too. But the sixty minute thing, whether it's a tag or singles, is learning how to relax, learning how to tell a story, knowing how to work a hold, knowing how to move, knowing how to. Rest without telling everybody you're resting. There's no such thing as rest holds, but you can still get your breath and still move and still make these um, uh, these things work. So, yeah, and, and with guys, again, with Robert and Tracy, I'm sure that was an easy match. You know, it was long, no doubt. But But some matches, you know, you pray for the end, and other matches you just go with it and you let it happen. And I'm sure if it was Harlan, Kentucky, uh, once again, you're talking about coal miners. You're talking about people coming down from the hills and who want to yell and scream and get into professional wrestling. And, again, different culture, different place, different time. But Tracy and Robert, you know, Robert's from uh, Pensacola, which is which is pretty much right around Alabama. We really think that's part of Alabama anyway. Um so he he has that that good old down home southern boy uh, charm to him as well, and uh, you know then you had us. So it, it was it was a great fit because without uh, a really good baby face or great hero, you, you know it's hard to have great villains. And I think they both need each other. You know to be a great baby face, you have to have a uh, a, a great villain and. Um, you know, for that part of the country, we had Jim Cornette as our manager, and I, I think it certainly wouldn't be the same without Jim. And going back to, to Pat Rose and myself, when we were the Heavenly Bodies in Memphis, we had Sherry Martell. And and talk about an addition uh, there, man, without her, uh, I don't think we could have done what we did there either. So, you know, we had a lot of help, and, and I'm glad of it. 14-man Rage in the Cage match, USWA, August 7th, 1995. Bill Dundee, Billy Jack Haynes, Doug Gilbert, Jerry the King Lawler, PG-13, and Tommy Rich defeat Buddy Landell, Gorgeous George III, Pat Tanaka, Robert Gibson, the Heavenly Bodies, and Tracy Smothers. You guys were actually on the same team in this one, but that's just such a crazy match. Seven-on-seven, Rage in the Cage, just USWA Memphis at the uh, Mid-South Coliseum. That was in Memphis? Yes. Oh, my gosh, man. Well, see, that that's I, – I don't recall that one. I think we did one in uh, – God. Did, we did one somewhere where we beat the hell out of Bob. That might have been the Coliseum um, where Cornette just beat the living hell out of Bob. We, we chained him up to the to the fence, and he 
beat him with that racket, and we kept all the guys from coming in, uh, something like that. But, but again, just saying those names and knowing those names and, and knowing that time frame, um, yeah, that 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 is insane. That's that's. Um, can you imagine trying to work? around all those personalities and just get get have where everybody had something to do and had to be in the right place at the right time and not really know how we were going to get there but just knew we had to get there at this time in the match and all of a sudden people fall in place and um uh that's that's a lost art that's a lost uh um way of doing things these days. But, you know, it, it was guys like uh, a Tracy Smothers and uh, PG-13 and, um, my God, I'll even say Jeff Jarrett back at that time, who who made it um, something people wanted to scream about. And, and you, once again, you know, you had the, the ultimate hero in, in the king uh, in Memphis and – for years and years, he carried that that territory, but suddenly, you know, the younger crew was coming up, and and it didn't it didn't tip, you know. It, I think it just added to the uh, uh, lure and spectacle that Memphis was, and uh, you know, again, Memphis Memphis was a unique territory in its own right. Because they would do some of the craziest off-the-wall stuff, man. So if you went into Memphis and you survived, uh, you know, that said something. And Tracy went into Memphis more than once, you know. And I, I, I've i been in Memphis more than once. And, and it, it really is a survival territory because you you, you fought your way um, tooth and nail, sometimes to the ring and back, but uh, – a lot of times, even just with the promotion, you know, there, there comes a time when you, you 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 have to say something, and and if Jerry Jarrett didn't like it, he'd say, okay, uh, you you can pick up your last paycheck by Friday. But you know, Tracy Tracy was uh, one of their guys, and and he took care of him for a long, long time. So says a lot about Tracy's uh, personality for, uh, as far as they're concerned. And finally, I just want to mention Randy Hale's Power Pro Wrestling in 1998 in Memphis. You and Tracy teamed a little bit. You wrestled the Midnight, not excuse me, the Rock and Roll Express, of course. And then, of course, you also wrestled Ashley Hudson and Lance Jade as well. It was, I guess, a, a small, it was just a part of a tag team tournament thing. But it wasn't long lived. But it's just interesting to see you guys not only on the same side, but you guys were tag team partners for a little bit. Ah, that might have been when Jimmy uh, had to go home and and take care of uh, some things at home, and yeah, could have been. And um, you know, once again, w- whether I was teaming with Tracy or, or this is actually in nineteen ninety eight for uh, Randy Hale's Power Pro in Memphis. Wow. So that, well, then that was way after. Yeah. That, yep. that was in um, without no. I worked with with Brian Christopher by the river, but yeah, it could have it could have been on TV. I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, it probably sounds like a TV match with Ashley Hudson and uh, whoever else it was. Lance Jade. I, but then Lance. It, then the other part of the finals, it was the semifinal match. You guys lose to the Rock World Express. I don't know if you'll remember that or not. Just interesting uh, down in, in Memphis. They weren't quite drawn as well. 
<laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> you know, but but uh, yeah. Anyway, um, long story short, and, and to sum it all up, uh, Tracy was a great guy, uh, and and so many people were were touched by uh, his personality backstage as well as what he did in the ring. And uh, I always tell people, what we do in the ring is just a small part of what this business is about. It really is about the relationships and how you handle yourself backstage. Um, And and you don't understand what that means until it hits you. Sometimes it's an epiphany. Sometimes it's a brick uh, upside the head. And unfortunately, I've been hit with a brick many, many times upside the head because of my... uh, um, <laughs> lack of understanding uh, about relationships backstage, but you know, live and learn. But Tracy, for all his um, part in in being Tracy and having the the uh, charisma and personality he did, uh, he touched people in in a great way, helped people all the time, and uh, was was always always willing to go that extra step. Whatever you needed, uh, he was there for you. And he really would give you the shirt off his back. If if, uh, if you needed something, he'd do anything he could to help you. So much positivity and nice things I've seen all over Twitter and Facebook about Tracy, even the young guys. I mean, Chris Hero, CM Punk, everyone saying how nice he was to them and accommodating and helping them through it, making them laugh when they needed to laugh, giving them advice when, when they needed advice. So really, you know, great stuff to see. And really, mostly, I would say, just crazy, crazy positive things uh, being said about Tracy. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, I hope I hope that, that um, his, his legacy continues and more people will uh, remember how he helped them and they can pass it on uh, because that's really what it takes to to – Make things better, I believe. You know, just remember how you were treated. If if someone treated you nice, uh, pass it along. Do what you can to help somebody, and, and I'm sure they will. So, of course, want to mention the great book, a pro wrestling curriculum, advice, suggestions, and stories to help the aspiring pro get to the next level. Dr. Tom, if you ever wanted to know what it takes to get a development of the contract, become a superstar, or just want some ideas on how to train for professional wrestling, this is the book for you. Where can they get this book? You can get my book on Amazon.com. Just type in Dr. Tom's book, or you can go to my PayPal, which is Dr. Tom Pritchard at AOL.com, and I will send you a personally signed autograph book for $25. Also, don't forget to go to ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, ProWrestlingTees.com. You can go there and pick up a, a JPWA shirt or a Dr. Tom shirt. I mention it all the time, but Wanted Dead or Alive is a great shirt. Absolutely love that one. Definitely check that one out on ProWrestlingTees.com. You can also go to Patreon, where a page has been set up, and you can become a patron and support the JPWA over there. Also, check out the JPWA's website, JPWrestlingAcademy.com. Dot com. You can follow me on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can follow Dr. Tom at Doc Richard. Dr. Tom, do you have any personal appearances come up? I know you got a big one coming up in December. 
December 4th, 5th, and 6th in Winston-Salem for AML. And uh, looking forward to that very, very much. Uh, but until then, oh, actually, uh, I will have more information on this next week. But uh, we have a graduation ceremony coming up in Gladeville, Tennessee, November 20th. I don't want anyone to miss that. Uh, for USA Championship Wrestling with Burt Prentice. And uh, I'll have more information about that next week. But uh, we just solidified the date earlier today. And uh, our next JPWA graduation graduating class uh, of 2020, the last class of 2020, will be in Gladeville, Tennessee, on November 20th. So I'm looking very much uh, forward to that. Nice. Is that a uh, big-time ceremony for the uh, JPWA students? Of course it is. We're going to have a couple matches with our students involved. We're going to give diplomas out that night. And uh, I'm very, very thankful for Bert and uh, uh, everyone at USA Championship Wrestling for allowing us to do it this time in Gladeville, Tennessee. Nice. Very, very cool stuff. they should be absolutely honored to do that, but uh, the training never stops. Never stops. I mean, you never stop learning and, and uh, never stop uh, uh, trying new things, uh, not only in JPWA and professional wrestling, but in life. I think you always need to figure out what's going on and uh, try to reinvent something along the way, I think. Now, thank you to everybody for joining us this week, and we'll see you right back here next week for Taking You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. And, of course, rest in peace, Mr. Tracy Smothers. See you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.